Welcome everyone to another episode of Doze Knows. This episode's being brought to you in part by our friends at Kona Boys, green organic superfood brew, Hurley, Oakley, GoPro, Kona Coffee and Tea, Mocha Lele Airlines, Deuce Gym, and Original Nutritionals. Don't forget, if you're ever over here in Kona and you have always dreamt of catching that thousand pound marlin, well then you definitely need to call my boy Trevor Child up at Maverick Sport Fishing. These guys specialize in half day, three quarter day, full day, and overnight charters. They have top of the line gear on a top of the line boat. This thing's got bedrooms and bathrooms, uh, living room, kitchen, AC. It's badass. You got to check them out. Go to MaverickSportFishingKona.com where you can check out that boat or call Trevor at 808-896-7985. Tell him you heard it on Doze Nose and he will make sure you are hooked up. Um, don't forget you guys can find me on all social media such as Dozer Dave on Instagram, Dozer Dave Barnett on Facebook, Dozer Dave Knows on Twitter, and also my website, dozenose.com, where you can see a more in-depth look at our guests, links to our sponsors where they have special Doze Nose deals, and uh, also listen to the podcast right there. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Um, this week, I have a special guest on, Ken Mydell. Ken's the first CEO I've ever had, so I'm really excited about this. He is uh, the CEO of Dekine. Uh, Dekine, if you don't know who they are, they uh, specialize in surf gear. You see their surfboard racks everywhere, uh, leashes, deck pads. If you're traveling, I'm sure you've seen their backpacks and, and uh, suitcases all over the place. Yeah, it's really, really legit stuff. Definitely want to check them out at thekind.com. But more about Ken. Ken is an incredible dude. Um, I've only known him for about a month and a half now, and uh, but we hit it off. We hit it off really quick. Um, him and his beautiful wife were over here, and, and we got to hang out and get to know each other. And then they invited me over to the Dekine grand opening at the, or the re-grand opening of the cannery over in Haiku on Maui. And we were able to sit down and, have a podcast right after that and uh, just talk story and see what it took for him to get to where he is now. And uh, he's got great stories and good advice for uh, other people that are wanting to do the same thing in the outdoor business. So um, let's give a big warm welcome to Ken Mydell. Welcome to the show, bro. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, we're here in Maui. We're at this little uh, Asian slash, they have, it's a sushi bar slash Asian restaurant. They have like every single ethnicity of food here. It is a massive amount of food choice. I'm going to agree with you there. <laughs> it was a humongous, it was like a karaoke book 
uh, menu. I was so overwhelmed I could only settle on beer, which uh, when I get confused, that's <laughs> immediately where I go. <laughs> now, we've only known each other for a few weeks. Um, our, our friend that we have in common, Eve, uh, put us together. That's true. And yep. she calls me up. She's like, Doze, hey, uh, I, I need you to do me a favor. I've got my CEO of my company coming over, and you need to take care of him. And I'm like, absolutely, I'll take care of anybody anyway. And then you came over, and we met, and it was just instantaneously, you and your wife. She's just a beautiful little mermaid. She has that mermaid hair right now. Yes, yeah, she does. And she's got a colorful hair, <laughs> a colorful head of hair. She's a sweetheart. But uh, we hit it off and uh, became friends, cruised around, did some stuff together, and, uh, and now here we are. We're in Maui. Yes. You just had the grand opening of the re-grand opening of the Dekine Cannery. That's right. So Dekine was founded in 1979 here on Maui, and uh, the original location that the founders, uh, Rob Kaplan and, and his wife Margaret and some of the original employees, all started uh, kind of up in Haiku. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I took over as CEO back in June, July, I came out to Maui just to try to get connected to the roots a little bit. And prior to my arrival, the company had decided to shut that facility down. And I walked in, and uh, Eve met me there. It was the first time I'd met her face she to face. She was actually, like, taking the sign down she, when you pulled up, right? Yes. Quite You're literally, like, it was like there was nothing left in the facility. Uh, it's, this, it's this wonderful old cannery. It's just up the road off the Hana Highway and It's Haiku. like in the most perfect spot, too. It is. It's a little, it's a little it's out there, but it's kind there, of a voyage yeah. of discovery. You know, if you want to come to Hawaii and, and kind of feel it, uh, I felt that pretty strongly. And, and, uh, but the decision had been made, and, and you know, there's, uh, the joke I always tell is there's a secret CEO school in Arizona. There isn't, but there should be. Uh, but one of the things they tell you as a new CEO when you come in is don't overrule the decisions that your team just made. It sends mm -hmm. a bad message. And so I was a little bit nervous about it, but I, I kind of knew right away that, that from a branding perspective uh, and just a roots, honestly, it was mostly respect for the did roots. Did you know beforehand, before you pulled up, that they were going to shut that down? I did. I saw it. So I had them send me all the budget and uh -huh. finance information, and there was a line item in there about savings from closing the, the what they called it on the, on the statement was the Hawaii facility. And I said, wait a minute, wait, whoa, whoa, because we also have a, a warehouse on Oahu. Right. And I thought, well, okay, wait, back but up. But that's just a warehouse. It is. The kind yeah. started right here in Hawaii, right? It did. And so I had him explain it to me, so I did understand what was going on. The kind, on. you know, the bratas, the kind, you know, that's not a Oregon thing. No, that's it's not. a not. Swiss thing. No, it's, uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's in the name. And, and so, yeah, we took a look at it, and um, I met the founder and got a, a, had a great conversation with him, and it just felt like something maybe instead of shutting down, we should invest in. Mm -hmm. And so it uh, took me a little while, investigated a few options, and ultimately decided to build it out and make it uh, a really nice space. And uh, we had the plate lunch folks who were also Maui uh, natives and uh, uh, actually the founder's sons. Yeah, um, you know, I saw that stuff, um, plate lunch. Obviously, yeah. for, for those people that don't live in Hawaii, 
you know, plate lunch, it's a staple of what we eat everywhere. You know, all the little kitchens, it's, you go in there for your plate lunch. Yeah. You know, it's usually, you know, I remember growing up, it was like three ninety five. you know, you get this massive plate and it's just katsu chickens or terry beef and rice and sal- mac salad. And, you know, they just load you up. Of course, that's how the wines get so big off these plate lunches. But, um, you know, they're a little bit more expensive these days. I think they're like eight ninety five. And not everywhere. If you go looking, you can find some of the original. But right. uh, I can't eat too much of that. I like I, I went to smoothies. I got old. So, uh, yeah. So that's so the plate lunch thing is your new is your new deal for the kind well it kind of they're um they were the ones that did the work on building out the facility and they've got their own business so they have a business called plate lunch speaking of plate lunch i'm gonna be eating while we talk here because they just brought us a plate lunch right here there's a lot of food right there for you there's a lot of food uh, it's you know that whole asian mix that we were talking about so we have japanese we have korean here it's just kind of a mix of it all some some tempura some mandu not all the good stuff, you know, it's more fried. But I think we got some hamachi coming this way as well, too. I so. think I might throw down for the hamachi. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, so the plate lunch crew helped do the a lot of the design work, and they'd wanted to do some of the creative building. The cannery space needed a lot of work. Those guys threw down and helped to figure it out, and they just designed this stunning space. And uh, the first time I'd seen it was a couple nights ago. Coming back, I just couldn't believe it from where it had started when I saw it in yeah. July to what those guys had built. It's just, it's just beautiful. And uh, hopefully people will stop by and see it. It's open. We, we sell some Dekine product out of there. But really, it's just, a, it's just a beautiful showpiece of the brand and trying to honor the roots a little bit. Exactly. Now, um, let's talk about roots. Exactly. Um, now, you were actually born in Oakland. I was. I'm a diehard Raiders fan. So am I. Are you really? I am. Oh my! See, we have so much in common right now. Now I, I go I back. To, I right go now. back to the Kenny Stabler days. That was sort of what Jim I grew Plunkett, up. Yeah. Kenny Stabler. Yeah. So I liked. Uh, I liked those guys, and then uh, uh, didn't follow it for a little while. But I still pay attention. But uh, growing up, those were the guys. The Snake. He was the man. Oh yeah, I remember. Um, one of my good friends was the lead singer. I haven't talked to him in years. Lead singer of the band Tesla. Remember that band? I do. Signs, signs, everywhere the signs. Well, um, we used to go to all the Raider games together, and we happened to go there, and he was super hot at that time. And uh, Jim Plunkett came up, and I'm just sitting here all, that's where I got starstruck, right? And comes up and signs a football and gives it to him. I was just like, oh, what about me, dude? Can you just sign my forehead? Yeah, I love the Raiders so much. Yeah. I talk about, about them a lot. You know, we obviously had a hard season this year. Yep. And um, uh, Derek Carr broke his fibula. Seemed like they had moments, though, where maybe there's some things to build on. But, uh, yeah. yeah, they've had a couple of tough ones in a row. Yeah, I think we're going to be strong this next year, though. So as long as nobody gets hurt. I'm going to be really stoked about that. Yeah. So I, well, I want to see I, us go to the Super Bowl. Now, I, I live in Seattle, and I got to throw down just a little bit for the Seahawks because no. uh, I do follow them. They're kind of no. my team now. Well, when they moved from Oakland, they broke my heart. Yeah, just because if I moved to San Diego, doesn't mean I'm going to become a San Diego Charger fan. 
Ah. Screw that. Yeah, it's complicated. I got I got a lot of different voices in my head. They're telling me different things. I got to figure out which one to listen to. It's it's confusing in there, Dose. It's confusing. Now, um, how long did you live in Oakland? Oh, I was only born there. I actually, uh, my parents adopted. I'm adopted. My really? parents adopted me in Oakland and uh, moved to Santa Rosa. And we moved to then to Columbus, Ohio when I was kindergarten age. So... I really grew up uh, a little town right outside of Columbus called Westerville, and when I lived there, it was it was kind of a more of a small town feel, and then it uh-huh. now it's just a suburb outside of Columbus. Uh, not just a suburb; it's a great place, but it was different when I lived there. Right, and um, I know um, that you used to travel to Huntington Beach every summer. Yes. So my family had my, one of my aunts uh, uh-huh. lived there and uh, another set of uh, auntie and uh, grandparents in Santa Rosa. So we do these long cross country trips in a 72 Greenbrier station wagon, <laughs> no AC. It was like complete National Lampoon family vacation. Right. Classic. Was there even AC back then? I don't know. We're so old. Not in the 72 Greenbrier. <laughs> Later, we upgraded to the 77 Grand Safari, and that I'm, one had AC. We I'm thought we did the lottery. I'm curious to know when AC came out in cars. I'm going to have to research that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure rich people had it before we did. Yeah. I'm going to Google it while we're talking just right. to find out. Um, but, yeah, so one of the other things about Huntington Beach is something random. You have your name on the pier. That's true. I do. Yeah. So, yeah. How'd that happen? Well, so we moved there uh, after college. My wife and I are high school sweethearts. We've been married for uh, almost 30 years now. And, and we moved to Huntington Beach a few years after college. And as a gift to me, she donated money to the pier rebuilding, and they put my name on the wall. Uh, so in the pier, I forget what year it was. It might have been 95, 96. It, it got kind of blown apart in some storms, and so they had a big rebuilding project, and she donated to that, and uh, my name is on there. Nice. Well, I just Googled that, by the way. It's 1953. Way earlier than I would have guessed. Yeah, 1953. It was the Chrysler Air Temp, or a Chrysler Imperial, was the first production car in 12 years to offer modern automobile air conditioning as an option. Good to know. That's a long time ago. I, I wouldn't think that they had AC back in the fifties. No, I would have guessed in the. I would have guessed late sixties, and yeah. I would have guessed Lincoln Continental I with the suicide 70s. doors. You yeah. remember that one, the Lincoln yeah. Continental with the suicide doors? Yeah, that one was made famous, uh, remade famous uh, for Entourage. Ah, yeah. Okay, that's a beautiful car. Yeah, beautiful car. So, did you ever have one of those? No, but my aunt did. Really, it was fantastic. What kind of cars did you have growing up? So my first car was a 75 Rabbit. Really? It was. And then a 76 Corolla, then an 82 Celica. 82 Celica was my pride and joy. It's a fantastic car. That's awesome. And you like to drive fast? I did at the time. You know, I heard you used to drive really fast. Yeah, I had I had some issues growing up. It's it's Ohio. It's kind of a place where there's not a lot to do. And uh, if you're a kid, you know, you're 16, you get your driver's license and, you know, it's freedom. Let's go. Let's go tear it up. And uh, so I might I might have had some issues behind the wheel. I like Kinda to go redneck. fast. I, yeah, I don't Being know. In Ohio, you Maybe know. you Maybe. could say no, that. I don't know. I was I grew I was a skateboarder. So uh-huh. I kind of identified with beach punk. culture. We had a half pipe in my backyard and. Uh-huh. Uh, that was pretty radical back then. Like people in Ohio didn't didn't skateboard a whole lot, and 
but there was a, a fantastic skateboard park back in the day called Apple. And even before that, there was a smaller one. It was a family park down in Lancaster. And so when I was a kid, I had access to these two killer skate parks. And then the liability laws shut them all down right about the time I turned 16. And then all of a sudden there were cars and girls. And Those were back in the day when skateboards were bigger and wider. Yeah. Like the Santa Cruz Steve Olson. Yeah. That was my favorite skateboard. So I had a Sims Brad Bowman, which uh-huh. was a big old blue beast. Uh, he had a little BB that was a takeoff of the Superman logo. And then the last board I bought from that era was a 1980 Powell Peralta Allen Gelfand, and I still have it. It's in no my way. office at DeKine. No and way. And the Powell Peralta people should come and, and ask me to give it to them for their museum because it is in phenomenal shape. Or at least come sign it or something oh, for it's, you. Oh, it's a beauty. Is he and still alive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's day glow orange. As you did back in the day <laughs> right. with bright green grip tape. It is a classic from the 80s. <laughs> well, speaking of 80s, what year did you graduate? I graduated in 84. I was 85. Where? See, now you were you must have been an advanced learner. I was sort of a little bit slower. I, I got out in 85. Yeah. Well, I think I am more the retard than you are. Obviously, you're a CEO, and all I do is sit behind a microphone. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I think I maybe just lucked into this. It's hard to say. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a mystery, you know, sometimes even to me. Right. Well, I definitely have the face for radio, so that's why I just kind of hide in a box and nobody gets to see me. So, um, And it was funny because you said that exact same thing right after I said it last night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I have a face for radio, absolutely. That's why I'm uh, <laughs> podcasting and we're not doing a video. So um, did you, were you ever a fighter growing up? Uh, I, I used did. to get in fights all the time. Yeah, you know, that's kind of how it was back in the Midwest uh, in the 70s and 80s. There was a lot of fussing and feuding going on, and so I, I had my share of scraps, and then uh, uh, that turned out to be kind of a bad path. I had a glass broken over my face in a bar fight when I was 19, and no uh, I realized there was always going to be somebody meaner and tougher, and I was probably built built more as a lover, not a fighter, and did that's the have, last fight I was in. Did you have brothers and sisters while you were growing up, adopted a, family? Yeah, I had a younger sister, uh-huh. and uh, she's a couple years younger than me, but uh, I didn't have a, a posse of older brothers to kind of take care of me, so, uh, right. so I was the scrappy one. Well, I came from a family of six, so I had three sisters and two brothers, and my younger brother was only 17 months apart from me, Okay, and so we used to scrap all the time. And then growing up in Hawaii, you know, is obviously they didn't care for Howleys too much back then in the seventies, and uh, yeah, so it was it was kind of tough. Yeah, but yeah, Ohio. It was more it just you know, there's uh, lots of space and lots of time, and you kind of make your own fun. There's we didn't really have beaches and and trails, and there was creeks and stuff, and you just kind of go out and find trouble and. And uh, at the time, you sort of settled things with your fists. We didn't think there was anything wrong with that. And uh, culture changed, probably for the better. But there are days, you know, where I sort of wonder about that. But mostly I'm on the, I'm on the no fighting train. What, what kind of music did you grow up listening to? You know, started kind of like everybody else uh, in that era. It was uh, 70s rock was what was on the radio. AOR, uh-huh. album-oriented rock was on the radio. Uh, QFM 96, if, uh, if there's any Ohio fans out there listening to the podcast, <laughs> that was our thing. Um, and then I went spent a summer in Huntington Beach in uh, 83 and got really turned on to uh, punk and post-punk and then 
uh, the whole mod ska thing really grabbed me. Well, that's when everything kind of switched right there. 81, you know, 83, everything just started turning around music-wise. And, you know, to this day, I say it was the best time to be growing up, going through all of that. Dude, I used to walk around, I had mohawks, I had eyeliner on, I had my arms were loaded in bracelets, uh, just punked out. Let's see, I was punk rock at one point. I was new wave. I had, you know, bi-level haircuts, um, went through the whole ska mod uh, phase, uh, rockabilly. My brother was a big-time rockabilly. Oh, yeah. And uh, and it was just, it was really freaking cool. You yeah, know? I think to a... Uh, new romantic. Know, yeah, a new the row. new romantics. Yeah. Yes, you know, I was a ska guy, and they <laughs> didn't really like row. the new rows. So uh, <laughs> that was, those were the ones we uh, were like, oh, man, I don't like those new row guys. Right, we had the puffy, you know, spandau ballet kind of stuff. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, you know, it's a little different now because the music scene is so much different. But at the time, it just felt super fresh. There was just something new coming all the time. And mm -hmm. music was really exciting. And it wasn't instantly accessible. So you had to go find it. You'd hang out in record stores and just all the clothes changed. And it was it was a cool time to, to kind of be that age. What were your favorite bands? Probably like Madness and yeah. English Beat and the yep. Specials. Specials, Selector. Yeah, yeah The Untouchables. Yeah, I liked all the the English ska bands, but I liked I liked some of the new romantic stuff. I liked a lot of Depeche Mode, and right. I was a big K Rock and ninety one X Division. guy when we were living there. Yeah, I was a huge New Order fan, right. loved them. And then uh, I was fortunate enough back in the day I saw Berlin at Universal Amphitheater in eighty three, and then uh, when living in Ohio, those bands started a tour in eighty five, eighty six, and they'd swing through Columbus because the, of the university. So I saw Violent Femmes, oh, yeah. Circle Jerks, oh, yeah. Black Flag with Henry Rollins fronting. I still see Circle Jerk every once in a while. Yeah, well, that might be a different deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was super cool because the, the scene in Columbus was pretty tight. There weren't too many people that were into that music. So you, it was small clubs and super energetic shows. And, and then you got the rockers awesome. that want to kick your ass all the time. Yeah, it was pretty mellow. They were all right. Yeah, the rockers yeah. always wanted to fight us. Yeah. You know, because we were different. We were tearing apart from what it used to be. Yeah. And they'd be all smoking and uh, just in their Def Leppard shirts and Leonard Skinnerd and whatever. Well, I had my uh, my long black trench coat and my skinny tie. That was, you know, in Columbus, Ohio, that was as much of, a, of an FU as I was uh, brave <laughs> enough to give because those rocker guys would have kicked my ass. So. Always wearing a suit. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. <laughs> what kind of shoes do you wear? Oh boy, that's a good question. You know, I never could afford Docs. We didn't. I didn't have enough money to throw down for Doc Martens, so uh, I probably just threw on some Chuck Taylors, you know, because I had them from skating. Uh huh. What was the first concert you went to? Oh boy, that's a good question. So uh, when I was fifteen, I somehow tricked my parents into letting me see Judas Priest with Iron Maiden as the what? opening act. No way. Because they were they were pretty kind of Christian and not. That was the whole Sounds heyday. Like my yeah, they were. There was the whole heyday of the anti rock hysteria, you know, and and Play so it was backwards. Sort of, yeah, the devil music <laughs> and satanic hey, influences. And, seriously though, Iron Maiden was about as devil music as they can bring so that's what i don't understand is like how the they ever let that get done and <laughs> i i didn't really you know well yeah eddie the monster came out and i was there because i was a huge judas priest fan right. uh, at the time this was this was before i'd gone to california and sort of gotten into new wave and i it was just a phenomenal show and then 
you know, the other thing is I have this theory like, you know, you're 13, you imprint like a baby bird on the band that uh, that, that touches you and you uh, realize that kids' music is done. That band for me is Rush, and I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> I'm a huge Rush fan because of 2112. Well, see, you know what? I love Rush, but I went to a concert in Austin, Texas with Rush. Um, sat right in the friggin' second row center. Um, the band that opened up was Candlebox. Remember that band? Oh, vaguely, yeah. They put on a great show. Yeah. Um, they ended up sitting right behind me because they wanted to see the Rush show. It was the first time they had ever opened up for Rush. And so they play their set. They come sit down behind me, and then Rush comes on. And it was so good, but it was such a weird vibe. Nobody stood up. Wow. Nobody stood up. I stood up. And then, and then nobody's standing up. And Did the Candlebox guys tap out. you on the shoulder like, hey, get down? No, they were doing cocaine. It didn't friggin' matter. Well, that was but back in the day. That was back in the day. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. I was just like, whoa, this is kind of a weird, weird show here. So I've seen That was the only like, time I've seen them. Yeah, I've seen them half a dozen times. And, you know, it's, uh, I think the first tour was Grace Under Pressure. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, then and then they took a long pause. I saw them a couple times uh, after that, and then they took a long pause, and then kind of came back to touring a few years back. I saw them at the Gorge uh, in Eastern Washington, and they always good shows. But it's funny you mentioned that. I I did see one show at the White River Amphitheater where they were just a little off, and mm-hmm. the, and the, I think the energy in the crowd was a little off, and yeah. so I'm that sure they had sometimes. bad shows like every band, you know. Sometimes. Yeah, I just had to deal with that last week. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, that's awesome. Now, um, you're also a mountain biker. Yes, I am. And that's, <laughs> like extreme uh, mountain biker. Oh, I think extreme is probably overstating it a little. It's, uh, but, you know, everybody has a passion sport, people that do what we do mm-hmm. and, and end up at brands like Dakine. And a lot of people that came to Dakine came at it through surf. And I've surfed, but I'm not, not a great surfer. And uh, But mountain biking I've done since... 87 and uh it was just the thing that grabbed me and i've done it pretty pretty passionately since then now you know i never got into mountain biking so um you know what is what is it to you that really turns you on about it you know i so i i do a lot of stuff outdoors i go rock climbing and backpacking and and snowboarding and and uh, I like being outdoors. Uh, what mountain biking does when the, when the flow is right, you know, the, the way I kind of refer to it only half jokingly is that it, it makes all the voices in my head go down to one. It's, uh, that's it's how, very that's how it clarifying. For me. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, and there's, uh, I've described it this way, and it, it, people who don't sort of live in this state sometimes don't understand it. But there, not every ride, but there are rides where you can get into the zone and you can just you can just feel the land under you. You right. know where things are going to go. You know where the bike is going to go, and you just move into this state that is you know. If I could bottle it and sell it, I'd be rich. I'm sure that's why people do coke. But uh, <laughs> I'm not a huge drug guy. But uh, but I love being out on the bike, and that's that's what it's like for me. Is I just chase those yeah, moments. That's you know? your high. It is. It, it is. is. Yeah. You know. And some people get off on drugs. Some people get off on getting out there with nature. And like you said, feeling it, getting one with what's going on on the planet right there in front of you, yeah. right then and there. And that's how we are when we're surfing yeah. or if you're snowboarding. 
Yeah. You're going down the mountain. You I've, see it. And I felt it snowboarding, and I know exactly why surfers feel that way, because mm-hmm. when you do, you know, I've, I've caught enough waves to know what that feeling is like. I can only imagine what it's like to surf, you know, to have access and surf regularly and, and uh, to get really, really good at it. But I've been mountain biking for so long, I can, I can, I can probably understand that feeling, but uh, there's nothing else like it, and I yeah. it probably changed my whole life to chase it. So uh, I Well, I you're super it. fit. Obviously, it looks like you do it all the time. It's, uh, it's the thing I chase the hardest. Really? Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Um, now, obviously, you know, we're talking about that, but one of your fellow team riders, you know, started off in the surf and now is up in the snow. Uh, Jerry Lopez. Yes. So he started with Dekine back in the day. He's not with us anymore. Okay. He's a Patagonia. Um, oh, is he? Yeah, he's with Patagonia, and he's uh, just a great guy. Damn him. No, no. He's a Patagonia <laughs> no, a great granted. Jerry, I've met him once, and he he's such an inspiration, uh, I think, for those of us who, who follow surfing and know what he's done in snowboarding. <sighs> he's just me? a legend. And, and for those of you who haven't met him, he, he is just genuinely one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Right. And uh, really a great guy. And he's, he's caught the snowboarding bug. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, well, I can't wait to get him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. He is just the legend of all legends when it comes to surfing. Well, so. he comes through Hood River where DeKine is every once in a while. So I'll put in a good word if I see him. Cool. Awesome. And um, now you've got two kids your wife, Sheila, daughter, Riley. Yeah. Son, Aiden. Yes. Um, how cool is it to be a dad? Because I'm a single dad. Yeah. I love it. It's, well... Uh, At least you got company with you to help. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, they... I remember when my daughter was born, just realizing, oh, okay, this is this is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I was sort of sort of put here to be her dad, and then when my son came, I just couldn't believe how cool it was that, that I could feel that way again and and they're both just awesome kids and we have a great time we have a super loving family i'm uh i'm the like easy pushover dad and right. you know they're they get they get a little nervous i think you're the like, easy pushover boss i might dad be. yeah everything I might, be. I might be i i think i might be the nicest guy in the action sports industry what do you you're think you're one of the most relaxed guys i know no yeah you are so relaxed that's not my reputation by the way my really? reputation because is I'm, like, super intense. Really? Because yeah. I'm like, hey, dude, where do you want to sit? How do you want to sit for this podcast? And you're like, I want to be sprawled out all over this chair. Yeah. Yeah. With a beer, <laughs> just yakking. Yeah, no, that's sort of, but, well, it's. I'm uh, kidding. You, I'm you kidding. Get to be like you're 50, sitting up you, know, you get to be, like, 50. You realize there's only, like, five things you care about, like, <laughs> coffee, beer, hanging out with your wife, hanging out with your kids, riding mountain and bikes. And new friends. That's the list. And new know. friends. All right, there's Coming six things. Hawaii. There's six things. Yeah. So I think we're going to be doing that a lot. What do your kids do for, do they do sports or so they, are they intellectuals? You know, we... My we, son's an intellectual. Yeah, no, your son is awesome. And your son and my son would get along great. They're, yeah. uh, they're both kind of into the same things. And I could just tell right away that, that he was just a super kid. You know, we, we raised our kids with the idea that we would just expose them to a lot of different things. And they could choose the things that interested them, but they had to choose something. So, um, so my daughter ended up, she played lacrosse and got into improv, uh, and she is just, she's frankly an inspiration for me. She takes all kinds of chances and gets out there in the world in a way that I never did when I was her age. And, you know, my son is 15, he's figuring it out and, uh, he's just an awesome kid, but he, we do, uh, spring breaks together 
And uh, every, for gosh, I don't know, five years now, we take off and go do some outdoor adventure. So we've been climbing in Yosemite. We've been mountain biking in the Canyonlands and the Maze District. We go to Moab and go camping off the grid That's and biking, so cool. climbing. And so he's, uh, he's my little sort of outdoor guy. He's not at least bigger than I am now, but uh, he's just been, he just loves getting outdoors and camping. And so he's a, he's a cool dude. Well, we got spring break coming up here really quick. And so I'm going to have to tell my son hey come on we gotta go do something outside well it just kind of worked out for us we started it a few years ago and it, i took him to moab and he when he was really little you know eight or nine years old and he as we were leaving he just looked at the sun coming up he says dad it's so beautiful can we come back every year and i realized that's the thing i need to make time for is just make sure he knows that whenever he wants to go do a trip like that I'm going to be there for him, and it's just been a thing we've done every year, and it's just been really a nice nice feature of our lives together. That's, that's freaking cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah, man, I, you know, I've never taken him snowboarding, so this has been like a phenomenal year for the West Coast. You're killing me. No, so, you're killing me. Because no. I've, I've been out two days, and I've, it's been the best year in, in the Northwest and the best year in the West. And I've been so busy with the kind. I've gotten out two days. I have a season pass, and I'm just not. You're. I'm well, dying. Well, maybe me and Jake will come and grab your season pass and pretend like we're you. It's going to be hard because I have hair and you don't. But is there a photo on there? They won't check it. You'll be fine. Okay. Well, maybe we'll come borrow that. Thing. Yeah, we'll go. Well, well, if you come, that'll give me an excuse to take you out. Yeah. I'll be the ambassador. I love it. Yeah, I love. Bring them. I'll teach them. It's good. Yeah, I got to find out when that is. I know it's like in the next two weeks. It's pretty quick. Well, we're, ours is the first week of April, and I think, uh, you know, Jack's down in Huntington Beach is going to host a little surf contest down there. I think I'm going to go down there for work because oh, we're cool. going to help sponsor that. I'll be in Australia right then. Oh, see, I'm going to have my son come down. We're going to hang out, and then we're going to go bounce around, do a little uh, outdoor stuff in California, and I may try to get him on the surfboard again. So there you we'll go. We'll see. Well, that's, you know, the same thing is with Jake. He, um, he loves to surf. But, you know, the Big Island's gnarly. Yeah. It's all reef. Homeboy took a wipe out on that reef. He got ripped up by tube coral by the reef and then covered in vana. He was like, screw this. Ouch. I, I don't want to surf again. Yeah. But yet I take him to Kauai or if I take him to California, you know, it's sand like Hanalei Bay right there. Yeah. And he's like, I'll surf all day long. Waipio Valley. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't want to come out with yeah. me and... We took Aiden to, uh, to uh, Kauai last year and got him out. There's a local guy there who, who does a great job teaching. Titus. And uh, no, no, Kelly Hunt is his name. And he took us out and he got Aiden up first try and had a great experience out on Poipu, nice gentle waves. Nice. And uh, so I think we'll, we'll be up for a little more of that action. So nice. that's about his speed. Well, let's go back to you a little bit because, you know, you, you do. You have an amazing story. What was your first job? My first job ever? Ever. I, was, I delivered newspapers for the Columbus Dispatch when I was 12 <laughs> years old, and I've never not worked. So that's sort of a little interesting How many years? Oh, boy. That's, well, I'm 50, so you're going back 38 years, right? So uh, I, just, I just always liked working. So I went, delivered newspapers until I was 16, and then I worked at a car wash, and then... Uh, had a couple summer jobs that were super odd. I was a horseshoer's assistant, and I changed light bulbs in inner-city schools in Columbus and over the summer, cool. which was 
super random and uh, <laughs> worked at a stereo store, worked at a detail shop, all these kind of cool jobs that taught me a lot about uh, how to work hard for a living, you know. And Did you go uh, to college? I went to Ohio State. Okay. Oh, sorry. They would like me to say the Ohio State the University. Ohio but State. I don't, yeah. Buckeyes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we just called it Ohio State, so right. I go with that. So um, you went to Ohio State. Um, now, I'm going to ask you a question right now because college is one of those tough things right now. Um, I have a lot of friends that are uh, super rich. Um, they say, don't put your kid through college anymore. Yep. It's a waste of money. Um, of course, it's always awesome to have that, you know, that, you know, just, hey, I went to Harvard or I went to wherever, Ohio State or Arizona State, San Diego State, um, just to put on your resume. But nowadays, things have changed so much. A lot of these guys that are starting their Internet jobs and um, Facebooks, whatever it is, None of these guys ever went to college, and they're making billions of dollars, mm -hmm. and they're some of the most wealthiest people on the planet. Um, I've got some of these rich people telling me, don't put your kid through college. Find out what he wants, what he desires, and then help him make that happen. What do you think? I, well, I'll give you a couple different... Because you're in a CEO position. You're at the top. Well, I'm not CEO of Exxon. Right. So there's no helicopter when you're the CEO of Dekine. Huh. You get to surf, which is cool, <laughs> and you get a lot of great gear, which is really cool, and I wouldn't trade jobs with that guy. But, I, I, you know, I would say this for college. I, the most important thing is to know your kid, right? And, and we always, at the end of the day, we wanted our kids to be happy and healthy and to have the best choices they could going forward. And, and for our kids, college is for my daughter and almost certainly will be for our son the right path for them. I think that's not true for every kid, right. and, uh, but I do think it's probably important for kids to do something after mm -hmm. high school that tests them because I agree. if I you agree. think, right, it's like if you think about the things you're the most proud of in life, how many of them are easy? Yeah. None of them. And there's a moment after you graduate from high school where if you dig in and do something hard, whether you're going to serve your country in the military, whether you're going to go to college, whether you're going to go travel the world... Um, Whatever it is, that's going to start to build your story. Mm -hmm. And, I and think, that's what I did. Yeah. You know, I went into the reserves. Okay. It paid for my college. Yep. You know, kind of started that way. Yeah. And so. and so you learned a bunch of stuff and it shaped who you are and, and you're a happy guy now. And, and uh, it gave me discipline is what it gave me. Yeah. And, you, and it taught you to work hard yeah. and, and that sometimes you got to suffer well, for my things dad you like. really taught me to work hard. He was 25 years in the Navy. Yeah. So, you know, growing up in a military family. It was just like, hey, you got chores. You can't do this. Yeah. You want to go serving? You got to get all this stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the one thing I, that you said, which is something I, I feel pretty strongly about, and I gave a speech once and kind of made all the kids in the room to a college and gave all the kids in the room a good chuckle is, you know, I said, look, the culture at large gives you a simple message a lot through movies, which is, you know, do what you love. Mm-hmm. And the reality is in my life, and I think in most other people's lives, is you do a lot of stuff you hate to get to do the things that you want to do or to pay for the things that you want to buy. That's sort of reality. Mm -hmm. And trying to figure out 
where that line is, is, is part of the joy of life to me. You're never going to get it right all the time. Right. It's very, very few people do that. And, you know, ultra rich people have the luxury of looking back and going, hey, that worked out for me. You know, I didn't grow up with money. I don't have a lot of money now. Well, there, and one of the things you, that you they're bringing it, right? up is also debt, you yeah. know, because you go to college. These kids are now in debt for yeah. a long time, you know, paying off their student loans. Most people aren't privileged enough to be able, be able to have their college taken care of. Right. And so um, instead of putting your kid in debt is what they're saying is let's bring their mind out and, and find out. I think that's, I think for the right kid, I, look, I think that, that it's terrible actually that we don't find those kids and figure out a way to help them get, mm-hmm. pursue whatever path makes the most sense for them. But that won't always be college. I completely agree with that. I think, uh, if there's other things that really bring them joy or inspire that passion for them, um, college isn't the only way to get there. I think I, I completely agree with that. Right. So I want to know, how'd you get into the outdoor industry? You know, for you doing all this stuff, having fun, paper, paper jobs and, yeah. you know, changing light bulbs and stuff. What got you into this outdoor industry? You're living in Ohio. Yeah. Not much of an outdoor industry out there because unless you're a hunter, and that's only seasonal. You know, I know Ohio's famous for its whitetail deers. There's a lot of hunting I'm a, there, I'm yeah. a bow hunter, so I know that area well. But uh, how'd you get into the outdoor industry? Yeah, we, uh, well, we grew up playing in the creeks and forests, but uh, uh, at some point I took a job and I worked with a guy who handed me a copy of Desert Solitaire, which is a book uh, written by Edward Abbey. Mm-hmm. And he writes uh, very nicely about the desert southwest and made me want to go see it. And when I finally got out, we moved to Huntington Beach because I kind of knew I wanted to be in a beach town and uh, got to see the desert. And that just inspired this lifelong sort of love of the outdoors. And I realized I'd taken a couple of jobs. I got a degree in engineering and computer science and was consulting uh, for Ernst & Young, which is this big firm that's, they're great, but, you know, it's not, it wasn't really what I was chasing. And I uh, got put on a job to do some work for a company called Cascade Designs, which mm-hmm. is up in Seattle. They're Thermarest and MSR, kind of hardcore outdoor backpacking, climbing stuff. It was a good culture fit, but they were super small. Um, and then they bought a, another company, got big enough. Um, and I was kind of done with the tech world, you know. Uh-huh. It's it's it was I was good at it, but I didn't love it, and kind of wanted to go do something fun. So uh, put these companies together and started down working for them and was their chief information officer, which is the kind of the highest level IT guy for about five years. And then a little bit of a management shakeup, moved over, started running sales, marketing, and product development, and off I went. Yeah. Um, I know you worked for uh, one company. It's called C... Something that made the... I can't remember the exact name. Um, I have a dry bag. Oh, Seal Line. Yeah. Yeah. I have a dry bag yep. backpack yep. from Tavarua. Yeah. And so they, you know, imprinted Tavarua resort on there and yeah. uh, it's one of my favorite backpacks the things lasted forever well you know there's better bags from DeKine that do that exact same thing okay. so I don't know if you do that no seal no, lines I, great <laughs> products actually um, I actually so, did see you with that backpack the other day yeah that's the cyclone too that's the one you saw when we were together on the big island right. that's a killer pack um, yeah so seal line is one of the brands that Cascade Designs uh, has so how they, are you able to keep talking take a drink oh, of yeah, that beer sorry, right there I'm you know, a little thirsty. Hold on. warm right there <laughs> so sea line and we're back sea line yep 
So they make uh, super, super heavy-duty packs. They're, they're really great bags, great packs, seal line packs. The yeah. kinds are better for sure, but... Was that the uh, first company that you got into right after college? No, I did a bunch of sort of IT work. Mm -hmm. I, I worked for, uh, I don't know if you remember when WorldCom imploded, you know, right. there was all those big scandals. There was one right before then. Did you that create no that one remembers. No, but CUC <laughs> International, I worked for them right out of college. And I worked at this. CUC. Yeah. It's, what is it? What does that sound for? God, I remember I the band COC, Crows of the Conformity. Yeah, that's so long ago. I, <laughs> they were like, do IT stuff. I'm like, all right, right. great. You'll pay me? Uh, I'll do it. Uh, I worked for a toy company for a little while, GAF Corp. I worked for uh, a software company for a little while. But uh, all that was just sort of like learning the, learning stuff I needed to do to kind of you know, follow whatever path I was going to follow that led me here. Right. Now, how did you, I, I guess you started consulting from what I heard? I did, yeah. At some point, I went from working for uh, actual businesses to consulting, and mm -hmm. I thought, like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell people what to do. That'll be a good what idea. What is a consultant? Consultant Just is somebody a, that gives somebody advice? Yeah, there's a and gets paid for gajillion it? ways. Probably the easiest way to understand it is that uh, they'll... Uh, they're pretty good at picking your uh, picking your pocket, stealing your watch, and charging you to tell you what time it is. That's probably the best. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry for all you consultants out there. Um, no, it's they're probably uh, laughing right there. Yeah, exactly. Right, you got to see my wallet. Well, it's funny, right? Because when I was now I'm uh, ex consultant. I got a lot of consultants that want to sell me stuff at Dekine, and and my rule is there's only two reasons to bring them in. One is they know something that you don't. Uh -huh. And two is you're too busy. So there's the kind that'll just help you because you want to do more things than your internal staff can do. And then there's another kind that they know something that you don't and you're going to pay them to teach you. Those are the two really good reasons, I think, to bring in consultants. What got you out of that? Um, you know, it's a good gig. Uh, it pays well. You travel a lot. But at the end of the day, you don't own it. It's You're doing it for somebody else. And, and I really felt pretty strongly like I wanted to own the quality of my work. If I was going to make a difference, I wanted it to be something that was uh, for the company I worked for. Right. Now, how did you find DeKine? Wow. Well, <laughs> that's an interesting did story. Did you find it? Uh, I did not. My <laughs> wife found it. Uh, so I'd known the brand forever because uh, snowboarding sure. primarily and mountain biking. So I wore the hydration packs and I had leashes and I had a longboard when I lived in Huntington Beach and that uh -huh. had a Dekine leash on it as well, you Dekine's do. Well, like everybody They're, knows Dekine. Yeah, it's a you killer brand. You see surf cars driving down the road, They're, the racks on their car, whether it's snowboarding or surfing or whatever. The kind, yeah, is right it's, across the bat. It's a an iconic brand, and it. Uh, so about a year ago, I was at the uh, SIA trade show, the Snow Sports trade show for Outdoor Research. So mm -hmm. I was, but prior, just prior to Dekine, I was the president of Outdoor Research, and uh, my wife sends me a text, and she says, uh, "Hey, Dekine needs a CEO. Like you should, you should go do that. Like you'd be perfect for that. You were meant to do that." And uh, uh, oh, I don't know, you know, it's a long commute. Maybe all right. She's like. Like, quit your whining. Get in there. Get in the game. So I uh, gave the guys that owned Dekine a call, and uh, and we had a long series of chats, and ultimately they, uh, I chased them until they caught me is probably the best way you could describe it. Yeah. And um, what, so you've been there for how long now? Year and uh, about nine months. Nine no, months. yeah, not even a year. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what do you think? 
It's good. You know, it's been through a lot. It was uh, it was purchased, I think, uh, 2008 by Billabong, mm-hmm. uh, right before the economy melted down. And, and, and that's when all the big name brand surf companies were buying every single company that w- there was around. Yeah, there you know, was like a Quick big Silver roll up. and Billabong were just buying everything. Yeah, they like were. Nixon things kind of got DC a little crazy, and, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was sort of a a fan right on the outside. I was kind of a normal citizen then, watching it all happen. And we were living in Huntington Beach in that era, so I was going to Jacks and and uh, Huntington Surf and Sport, and I could kind of see these brands getting huge, huge, really and just, fast, and just buying everything under the sun. And they were renting seaplanes and flying surfers all over the world. And then the economy collapsed, and I think probably. Um, you know, the Hollister guys had a little bit to do with it. They figured out mall retail pretty good, and all of a sudden the model wasn't working anymore, and boom. So then Billabong has some corporate stuff go on, and Dekine ends up getting carved out. And right. uh, kind of had a lot of work to do in a short period of time. A bunch they gave of kinda, you the, re- the option to rebuy yourselves back? The, or? The, yeah, the de- this was before my time, and right. so I think Billabong just sold it. And uh, some other guys, the guys I work for now, bought it. And uh, but but because they were all on Billabong systems and using mm-hmm. Billabong's warehouses, there was just a lot of work to do to get it back to uh, where it needs to be, which is you know super stable and delivering the products on time and all these sort of things that people take for granted, but are really hard right. if you're not doing them. And DeKinds had a couple of years where it struggled with that. And I and watched my friend Chad, who owns Nixon. Um, when Billabong started to go back down, he was able to rebuy himself back. Ah, smart. And so, yeah, and now Nixon's exploding. Yeah. So, back to where it started. Yeah. And I see the same thing coming up for DeKine as well, too. So, that's kind of the goal is to, you know, if you think about the way that the, um, the company works, it's got these really strong pillars in specialty sports. So, it's got this really great position in windsurfing and kiteboarding and surfing uh, mountain biking and snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And it's got these great accessory, technical accessory products that, that live in that space. And then it sells uh, apparel as well and uh, a lot of backpacks. And so backpacks are sort of the thing that exploded worldwide. If you, you know, it's super weird to be in the airport, you know, in Austria and like there's a Dekine pack and people are doing the split rollers and you right. see it all over the world. It, it seems like everywhere I go, people either have a backpack or Dekine luggage. Yeah. So. And that's uh, that's sort of born on Maui, and and the strength of those products really comes from those technical categories that mm-hmm. we do. We build that into the things that you know maybe you know like I was say I was 16 years old in Columbus, Ohio, with a half pipe in my backyard, and kind of dreaming one day that I would live in Huntington Beach or Maui right. or someplace like that. And you know those kids, they they count, and uh, it's important that that those kids sort of get the stoke as well, because some mm-hmm. of them are going to come out and they're going to be the next gen, and and uh, you know we like them too. But the the core of the brand is really the the specialty products. Now, how do you balance um, life between work and you know your family and the passions? And- it's, it's got to be tough, man. Yeah, you know, everything has a season. There are times when I can kind of spend a lot of time training for mountain biking, and then there are times when I'm home a lot and hanging out with the family, and then there's times where uh, work really takes the takes the predominant position. I'm in one of those times now because I'm new, and it's a big job, and there's a lot of work to do, and uh, uh, I 
I sort of give my wife credit because she was the one that kind of got me into to being there, and so now she's uh, she's, she's living with dude. it. She's super cool with it, and so it's all it's all good. It's well, all working. Yeah, if if she got you into it, she knows you're going to have to put in that extra time right now. Yeah, and just work hard and freaking build those relationships and get that company going back to where it needs to be. Well, and she knew me. She's known me for so long. She knows I'm not really built to do stuff halfway. I'm sort right. of all in, you know, and right. and Dekine kind of needs an all-in leader right now, and I'm super stoked and lucky to be able to, to do that. So, so that's what I'm going to do. Now, you've got an incredible team there. You have uh, Micah. Yeah. You have Eve. Um, anyone else there? Yeah, we got a we got a whole crew in Hood River and a, another crew in Annecy, France. Uh-huh. And, uh, France. Yeah, we that's got crazy. A, yeah, we got a couple folks in Germany. And uh, wow. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple of crew on Oahu, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, we're spread out. But uh, yeah, it's a good group, and they're you know. Everybody sort of says this, right? It's like, yeah, we're riders and we're this and we're that. But like to kind the 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 story I tell people coming out of the outdoor industry, because when I left OR, which is like climbing and all that kind of stuff, you know, the outdoor industry is really good. They they live what they what they love to do as well. Mm-hmm. But um, when I got to Dekine, they have a Wednesday night ride in Hood River where the headquarters are and. And, uh, you know, there's 70, 80 people that work down there and, and 25 of them showed up for the Wednesday night ride in Post Canyon. I just thought, wow, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. That's a that's a crew that's sort of like living what they work. And that shows through in the product. And, you know, it's a it's a killer crew. Where so, do you guys man- manufacture all your stuff at? It's all in Asia. Uh-huh. Um, it used to be that the surf leashes in particular were made in Hood River. That kind of changed under Billabong and. You know, I like manufacturing, and, and OR had a manufacturing plant. What place I worked before, Cascade Designs was a big U.S. Mm-hmm. manufacturer. Hard to bring that back once it goes, but uh, right. we'll see. Well, one of the things I notice is that at least you guys are very strict on um, how your product comes out because it is legit. Yeah. It is top of the line. There's no cutting costs or anything. It's, it's the real deal. Those leashes are strong. The luggage is strong. You don't see wheels falling off these things. You don't see handles breaking. It's sewed in legit. It's the real deal. Well, that's that's absolutely what we strive for. We really try hard not to cut any corners. And, mm-hmm. and as the CEO, I get to sort of lay that down. And, and one of the things you do when you're new and you come in as a leader is try to figure out, like, well, how did decisions get made before me? And what's good is under all its various, going really back to the foundation of the brand, it has always been about the product. Right. Caring. that has not changed. It's just caring. Yeah. And we we just did a new leash uh, that that came out and and we really, the inspiration for that is is Piahi. And, uh, you know, the Haiku facility is just up the road from Piahi and... And designing a leash to work when that wave is firing is is really that's our inspiration. And we don't sort of go, well, what's the cost target or mm-hmm. what can we shave here or there? It's like, you know, it's got to work for Albie and the Maui lives. crew. And it's absolutely it's, that needs to kind of deliver. And, you know, leashes are tricky because, you know, you can build one that never breaks, but that actually isn't, you know, once it. Yeah, you know, you know, if it gets heavy, there's you, a point you need it to break. Right. Yeah. You don't. You don't. You know. If you make it too stiff, it's it'll jerk you around. And so we we try to live it and figure out. You know how, what is right. What is right. the right formula for for the team? Have you had any of those boys take you out on the jet ski yet? So it was 
it was really random, but uh, but Piahi was hitting yesterday, right. uh, relatively small for you know small for them is 15 feet, and, right. and we went out and looked at it from the cliff and then hiked down and uh, in the slippers, the which was a little person. muddy, but yeah. uh, did a little hike down to the beach to watch it, but didn't go out on the ski. But Micah keeps uh, keeps threatening me to to take me out there. He asked me, he's like, "Do you get seasick?" I'm like, uh, "I don't know. Should I be worried about that?" Um, so there's uh, yeah. so much going on, you don't even think about that. Yeah, that's on. I'd love to see it. It'd just be definitely crazy. Definitely got to do it. Yeah. Definitely got to do it. And Micah charges. I've heard. I've oh seen. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, you know he. And it, what's great is watching him at Honolulu Bay and all these other spots. You know, that's that's his home baby right over there, and. He just owns that wave. Yeah. And he just charges it. And that just shows how much that Dekine is, you know, taking care of their guys as well, too, that work for him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, get out there. Show them what our stuff is doing. You know, show them what our team is doing and what our sales guys are doing, our, yeah. our team reps and whatever. And it's, it's awesome to see him out there just... You know, laying it down. Yeah, they would. They they've had a series of tests for me that uh, they take me they take me out on the bike to see if I can hang. They take <laughs> me out on the snowboard to see, and they're always watching me. They're always very polite about not trying to embarrass me. And then well, they're, they're like, they don't want their yeah, paycheck uh, to die. Either. Okay, he can hang. He's okay. <laughs> but they were trying to figure out, like, you know, is this guy one of us, or you know, can he? Is he really? Can he really ride or not? And right. with Micah, uh, Micah's such a good surfer that I've had to kind of tell him, like, hey, one day you're going to take me out. You have to be really nice with me and be really gentle because it's been a while. Uh, (laughs) You know, I was surfing longboards down at Old Man's, you know, but that was, oh, gosh, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, so we'll we'll, we'll get back into that one nice and easy. Oh, yeah. Well, at least you're having fun. And, you know, one of the great things that I saw is that, you know, your crew, they love you. You know, they're open arms with you. They're... They're well, really, that's that's really mutual. Happy. They're so. they're a good group, and they're doing great work, and uh, we're all we're all committed to Dekine. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really the brand is bigger than any of us, and uh, it's got this insane history and great products, and you know, it's just a real privilege to be able to to work on it. Now, um, just we got a couple more things before we wrap up here, and uh, you know, do you have any advice that you can give uh, people on? Um, you know, how can a normal person uh, work their way up or craft a career in the outdoor industry? Because you've pretty much been all over it. So, yeah, that's a, I get asked that a lot. I, you know, it, you know, the president of outdoor research or the CEO of Dekine, you have a lot of people ask you for advice like that. And I, you know, I think, I think the best advice is, and it's, it's one that gets given out a lot is, is look for the problems that no one else wants to deal with and fix them Mm -hmm. and do it with a good attitude. I think people get very frustrated when things don't go their way. Um, I'm certainly guilty of that. But in general, the the best leaps forward in my career have been finding the things that don't work the way that they should and fixing them with a smile. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think nobody really likes the brilliant genius who's just got a toxic attitude and, and, you know, don't be that person. Yeah. Be the man or the woman that really goes in, works super hard, works on the stuff that makes people's lives better, and people will notice that. You won't always get what you want, um, but if you drop enough seeds along the way, let people know where you're trying to get to, and if you're nice about it and you do good work, you know, the path may open up for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that attitude thing is, uh, it gets overlooked a lot, but people sort of think that you got to be really cutthroat and 
I really try to be nice. I'm not always nice, uh, but uh, I really try hard to, to, to respect people's basic human beingness, you know. And, right. And, uh, uh, but I've worked hard and tried to make sure that people know um, where I want to go. And don't be afraid to embrace change. That's the biggest one. Like, you see an opportunity, go get it, change it for the better. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to do my whole life. So um, now one last question I have for you. And I'm not going to hold this back just because you're a CEO of a big company or anything like that. But have you ever experienced anything supernatural? Aliens? Any ghost stories? You know, mm. something that you've personally experienced? Because I've, I've experienced some really crazy stuff. And uh, I believe that all this stuff happens. Yes, I come from a Christian home. But, man, there's some, there's some shit that happens sometimes. And uh, you can't explain it. Yeah, you know, I've been out in the backcountry and sort of heard things that I figure are my nerves. But uh-huh. uh, you never know what's out there. You do get those sort of weird feelings and, and premonitions. You know, I think the, the, the closest thing I've felt is kind of like what we were talking about before. I was on this run on Porcupine Rim, which is a, a mountain bike ride, and I swear to you, I felt the atoms of the dirt. Really? It just, and I thought, okay, I'm into some bizarre territory <laughs> now. The earth Indian is talking land. to me. This yeah. is not normal, and I don't get that on every ride, but, but I felt like there's like something is vibrating at a frequency that I'm hearing, and it kind of wigged me out a little bit. But I don't even think my wife knows that story. It's terrible. It's kind of embarrassing. I can't believe you got me to admit that. Oh, yeah. Well, I try to get everybody to admit something, at least during the podcast. But, um, Ken, I'm super stoked that you're on the show. Um, where can people find you at if, if they ever have any questions? You know, I don't know if you're a big social media boy or... Um, you know, I'm not, and, and my wife's chuckling right now listening to this because I'm the anti-social media. I'm so not that person. Um, the uh, the best way is just come in through the front door at Dekine and, and ask for Ken or call. And uh, I love talking to customers, and, right. and I love talking to dealers, and I love talking to Now, is this people. in Oregon? Yeah, so I'm based out of Hood River. But you uh, live in Seattle. I live in Seattle. Do you commute every day? I do. Well, not every day. I come down on uh, you Sundays, your CEO, Sunday nights. Are you in a fucking and helicopter or something? No helicopters. That's the Exxon <laughs> guy. Uh, I'm in my forerunner going down I-5 on Sunday nights, back on Friday nights. Damn. Uh, well, we'll have to change that up for you. I listen to the I listen to the Dozer Dave podcast. It kind of keeps me occupied on the way. That's right. <laughs> well, you're going to have to listen to yours. It's gone on forever. Oh, so, really? Nah, Just rambling nah, on? No, nah, no. Nah. We're uh-huh. right at about an hour. You're like right on time right Perfect. now. So it's super easy. But um, thanks for being on the show. Give me a yeah, high man. five right here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I love you, brother. Stoked. We have so many more uh, experiences and, and things that we're going to do. And I can't wait to meet your kids. You know, I love your wife to death. She's a sweetheart. Yeah, Sheila, she's awesome. love you. And um, yeah, you guys need to hurry up and come back to the Big Island and come visit me and Trying to figure out how to get here at least part of the year, but come visit us in Seattle, dude. We'll go I, snowboarding. I want to we'll get really you out bad. there. Where are we gonna go? Ah, uh, you know, Mount we'll go Hood. to Crystal. Crystal. If we come to Seattle, if you come Crystal. visit us at Hood, we'll take you up to Meadows. And yeah, yeah. We'll, so uh, when I lived in Seattle, I lived there for oh my god, like eight months once, building a golf course. Um, they flew me in the beginning of October, and I stayed there through the whole winter. And the, my whole job was to just stay there, have fun. So I uh, snowboard Crystal Mountain, Alpenthal, yep. uh, Snoqualmie Ridge. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, Crystal uh, has one of the great ski bars, the Snorting Elk. I'm sure you spent a little oh, time yeah. at the Elk. Oh, yeah. The Elk is sort of legendary. So, Yeah, well, Alpenthal and Snoqualmie were only 15 minutes from my house. So I would go up there and you can night uh, snowboard yeah. in the night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I'd have one of those one of those little leather freaking things. The Boda bag. The Boda bag, but I'd fill it up with like crown oil because yeah, it's yeah. super cold, you yep. know, and it'd be like, all right, warm your bones real quick. The Boda bag is key. It's so key. It's so much fun too. And now you can fill it up with like, um, what is that? Uh, fire, fireball. Oh yeah, no, oh, that yeah. stuff. That's for the kids. That'll mess I like you your up. Crown Royal idea. I'm yeah. going with that one. Yeah, yeah, I'll stick to that one myself. Well, thanks for being on the show, bro. Right on. Thank Look you. Look forward to hanging out with you more. And uh, until next time, thanks everyone. Oh, who we ho. Thanks again for being on the show, and thanks everyone for tuning in. Big thanks goes out to Mokalele Airlines for always being there to get me on a flight wherever I need to go to make these podcasts happen and come straight to you. If you don't know anything about Mokalele Airlines, well, they're a family-owned and operated business uh, based right out of here in Kona that tries to make your inner island travel as easy and affordable as possible. With over 120 flights daily throughout the Hawaiian Islands with no TSA, why would you not want to book your next trip or upcoming vacation with Mokalele Airlines? One of the great things about this airline is uh, your pets, you know, our little beloved loved ones, um, furry little guys, they fly free. Yep. And no TSA. I love that stuff. Um, you can find them at mokalele.com or on Facebook at Mokalele, at Twitter at Mokalele Air, and on Instagram at Mokalele Airlines. So go check them out. Get on the flight. Maybe you'll see me. Um, Green Superfood Brew. These guys are legit. These guys are based out of Kailua over on Oahu, and their mission is to help support healthy and active lifestyles with their organic and kick-ass beverage. Indeed it is. Green is the go-to beverage for surfers, divers, hunters, pretty much anyone who lives an action-packed lifestyle. This certified organic brew contains powerful green tea to give you a natural boost, hydrating coconut water to keep you going strong, and kale to keep your body loaded with the phytonutrients. Look, guys, if you haven't tried green superfood brew yet, you're seriously missing out. Uh, but good news is the boys at Green and myself believe in their products so much that we're willing to let you try it for free. Just go to their website at gr3en.org, use the promo code DOZER3, and get a three-can trial pack for free. You just pay the flat rate USPS postage to get the cans delivered to your door. This stuff sells for around three bucks a can in the stores, so here's your chance to get three for free, and you can find out what me and my friends are freaking out about. I love this stuff. I love the way it makes me feel, and I'm confident you will too. So try three for free today at their website, gr3en.org. Use the promo code DOZER3 and get your three-can trial pack. Um, there's also a link on my website, so go check that out. Oakley Sunglasses, uh, best on the market. Um, loving all of their stuff that they keep sending me with their prism lenses from the golf lens. When I'm out there playing golf, I can see the ball so much better. Their fishing lenses. They have a near shore and a deep water fishing lens that's just ridiculous. 
ridiculous or just their normal polarized sunglasses are badass. I'm actually getting a new pair of reading glasses made right now with Oakley frames that are going to look super sick. So you're going to have to see some photos on the website to see what I look like. Um, check them out at oakley.com. If you're ever in Southern California, Venice Beach in particular, go check out Deuce Gym. My buddy Logan owns this this place and it's badass. They will customize a workout just for you. Whether you're 8 or 80, they'll make it happen. You want cardio, you want strength training, you want CrossFit, um, just whatever it is, go check them out at Deuce Gym. Find them on all social media, Deuce Gym, or website, deucegym.com. Kona Coffee and Tea, that's where I get my morning crack on every day. Best coffee in the world. Um, they grow it up on the slopes of Hualalai and bring it down to us fresh every morning, roasted and served to you by the lovely ladies that work at this place. Um, you can find them at KonaCoffeeAndTea.com and uh, get it shipped out to you. It's really good. It's really fresh. Don't want to miss out on that stuff. Original Nutritionals. They're not just your regular meathead supplement brand. It's just pure basic and essential food and supplements to support what they call a clean athlete lifestyle. Um, the company was founded with a food-first approach, working with average men and women like you and I to the best action sports stars and, and team sport athletes in the world. These guys know how to do it right. Head over to OriginalNutritionals.com, grab what you need for listening, enter in promo code DOZENOSE at checkout, get 15% off. That's 15% off with the DOZENOSE promo code at OriginalNutritionals.com. Hurley Clothing, best board shorts on the planet. I've known the founder, Bob, uh, forever. He's one of my good buddies. Um, when he left Billabong, he started this thing back in 1999. At that time, surfing was all about being cooler than the other guy and keeping it as exclusive as possible. But with the launch of Hurley, Bob changed the perception of what surfing can be. For him, dude, he's the funnest guy on the planet. And it's all, it's all about positivity, inclusiveness, and making the absolute best product and empowering the next generation, which he is doing. He loves the kids. Fast forward to today and his vision has never been more relevant. Hurley makes the best board shorts in the world, hands down. But there's so much more to the brand from the partnership with Nike to the work on clean drinking water um, access. You know, it's, it's crazy. World champs like John John Florence and Chris Amore. Hurley is the brand of now and tomorrow for surfers and anyone else getting interested in the water. Check them out at Hurley.com. GoPro. Those Badass little fucking cameras. I love them. And they just came out with a new GoPro drone, the Karma. I want this thing so bad. I hope you guys are listening. I want it bad. Um, it's going to be so much fun. Doing a podcast, filming that thing with a drone. How sick would that be? Anyway, GoPro has been transforming the way people visually capture and share their lives. What began as an idea to help athletes self-document themselves engaged in their sport GoPro has become a standard for how people capture themselves, engage in their interests, whatever they may be, from extreme to mainstream, professional to consumer. GoPro enables the world to capture and share its passion in the form of immersive and engaging content. For more information, go to GoPro.com. Uh, you can check them out on all social media, such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
And last but not least, if you are ever over here on the Big Island, you definitely want to go check out Kona Boys. They've been serving up gear for island life in Aloha since 1996. Frank and Brock, they're legit. They're the shit. They're the boys. They have the one-stop shop for ocean fun. They operate a legit selection of local-style activities, including historical va'a rides. Those are outrigger canoes, paddleboard tours and lessons, and they're one of the only companies permitted to do kayak tours in Kealakekua Bay. So if you need rentals for bikes, boards, and other beach goodies, Kona Boys is your spot. Um, Make sure that you go check out their two locations. One is down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel, right on the beach. It's a cool little beach shack where you can rent stand-up paddle boards right there, jump in the water, and go swim in dolphins or whatever it is you want to do. Um, or go down to their store in Kalakikua Bay. It's a great store. They've got all kinds of products from Patagonia to their own brand, Kona Boys, and um, surfboards, skateboards, clothing, stand-up paddle boards. They got it all. Diving gear. Um, so check them out, Kona Boys. And uh, go to their website, konaboys.com. And uh, once again, enter in promo code DOZNOS and you get 15% off. Whether you're in the store, online, whatever, those knows 15% off. Check them out, kotalboys.com. Thanks again for everyone for tuning in, and until next time, uh-hoo-hoo. Everybody knows those now. 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 Everybody knows those now.